Disclaimer. Everything discussed on the 9 o'clock is wholly opinion. We are not experts. We have no alphabet soup of credentials after our names. We're just two people who overthink things and had enough adult money to buy podcast mics. Nothing said here should be taken as medical or legal advice. Seriously. Nope. Don't. That would be terrible for you. Probably. Be sure to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps us. How? We're not really sure, but yeah, do that. Welcome to the nine o'clock. Our version of dating because we're introverted and nerdy and don't like leaving the house. I'm Gwena Lathland. And I'm Jackson Lathland. He's laughing because it's true. It is true. We don't like leaving the house. So tonight, tonight, today. It's tonight. It's t- it's tonight for yeah. us. While Let's we're just recording. assume everybody listens to us after their kids go to bed. After the kids go to bed. Uh, so this episode, we are actually going on a date together with an audience. Yes. <laughs> Something like that. This is a synopsis of our date. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a live review. No, actually, this is uh, an episode format that we'll do every once in a while where Jack and I will sit down and watch a movie, probably a romance or a rom-com, but every once in a while he might be able to slip in something less sappy. Like a Die Hard or something like that. Right, Especially right. Especially around Christmas time. <laughs> die Hard is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> that, is, that is a completely, that is an episode unto itself. But at me, <laughs> but uh, we we will watch the movie. We will make notes, and we will discuss pretty much all the points we see them abusing a relationship or how relationships work. Because you know Hollywood and whatever subpar version of Hollywood these terrible movies come out of, we know they don't re- represent real life, right? It's the same place that trash novels come from. Right. The right. ones you find at gas stations. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they they were they were mass written. <laughs> we're gonna have at least one person. I'm a ghostwriter for those trash novels. Please don't talk about I'm sorry. If you were a ghostwriter for the crappy romance novels, you know what you write. Yeah. Everybody has to earn a living. This right. isn't a judgment. I'm not saying if you love I love watching horrible romance movies. Yeah, we we wouldn't be doing this if at least one of us didn't. <laughs> so this week we watched A Castle for Christmas on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, did that movie come out this year? Was it this year's? Uh, yeah, it was 2021, November 26, 2021. This is... Um, it's got Brooke Shields. It's got Shields. Brooke Shields, uh, Carrie, Carrie Elwes. It's directed by Mary Lambert. Wait, is it Elwes or Elways? Both? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Uh, if if he reaches out to us, we'll ask him. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody out there cares, but the director was the same person that directed Pet Cemetery. I found out. Okay. Enough. That is quite a genre jump. Yeah, from horror <laughs> to uh, romance comedy. But you know what? Hey, everybody's got to get oh, it somewhere. Let's not. Let's not. We haven't even gotten into it. But let's not call it a rom com. <laughs> that is not what this movie was. <laughs> It's, there's no it's not a rom-com okay fair <laughs> that's fair all right so one of the things that we did uh we we played the the lifetime movie game with it and we we knew what the title was obviously we knew who was in it because there was no way to escape knowing who was in it but we did not read the description that netflix provided um we didn't read anything about it and we watched the first 10 minutes of a castle for Christmas. And then we stopped and we wrote out our own synopses of what we thought was going to happen. 
By the way, this would make a good drinking game. Um, Somehow. So There's got to be a way to make that work. Drink. If you have enough people, then everybody reads your synopsis and whoever gets the most cheers for their synopsis <laughs> gets to down them. I don't know. Something. I, it's, a, it's a fun game, even if you don't want to do the alcoholic version. <laughs> But yeah, you you watch the first 10 minutes of a terrible Lifetime or Hallmark movie, and then you uh, write what you think is going to happen. So here is my 10-minute synopsis for A Castle for Christmas. Get it. And I, I'm terrible with names. So my synopsis after the first 10 minutes is just my made-up names for it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So the author lady is going to get the castle her grandfather grew up working at discover it's for sale and impulsively and impractically buy it she'll realize she is deep in over her head with both how to keep a castle and local custom she's going to enlist the handyman man played by carrie elwis with the grubby paw dog to help her fix stuff as it turns out this guy is actually the actual heir and title holder or whatever to the castle but didn't want the social obligation attached to it so he was going to give up his birthright and sell the damn thing he preferred the simpler life. She's going to give him the courage to go for it. He's going to give her the courage to love again. Crappy book character will remain dead. Whole new love interest with Scottish accent will save her book career. That was my synopsis. All right. First thing I have to say is uh, your movie uh, review voice <laughs> is fantastic. <laughs> That was great. I'm I'm available for voiceover work if anybody is interested. You know, info at pleasantpeasantmedia.com if yeah. you need that. <laughs> That's funny. So here, here's some more information before Jackson reads his. In the first 10 minutes of the movie, we meet Brooke Shields' character, um, who is an author, and she did a very dramatic move and unalived a fan favorite character and came under heat she decided to escape her her busy life and uh the the dregs of her failed marriage i guess not a failed marriage her divorce yeah she was still kind of recovering from that and decided to go to scotland her family had ties to Scotland. I believe her father was Scottish or her grandfather was Scottish yeah, one of like the two or Irish or something no they were Scottish and uh, she goes and she stays in this inn not too far from this castle that her family had some sort of vague, unexplained tie. That's the first 10 minutes of the movie. This was my synopsis of that. Jackson, what do you assume is going to happen after the first 10 minutes of the movie? Okay. A castle for Christmas. Spoiler alert. Sophie Brown travels to Dunbar Castle to see what her father was talking about in his story. She's looking for something to inspire her next novel. She's going to run into the groundskeeper a few more times. He's temperamentally a jerk, but something about him is intriguing, and when she explains her father's story, he breaks her into the castle to confirm the tale. He's never read her books, has no idea who she is. They see each other a few more times, and he introduces her to the real Scotland. They might be falling in love until he finds out she's been writing their current story together, and he is upset that he's being used as a plot device. After a fight, they part ways, and she turns the manuscript into her agent, who thinks it's her magnum opus. But she's torn because the ending is all wrong, and against the advice of everyone but her daughter, she drops her active life to go back to Scotland and find her dream groundskeeper. <laughs> Sophie Brown is played by Brooke Shields, by the way, and the groundskeeper that we keep referring to is played by Carrie Elways. Uh, Sophie Brown's character does have an adult daughter who appears vaguely 
and adds nothing to the movie. Just for... She's in it like twice, twice. three times maybe, yeah. once over Zoom. So uh, after watching it the rest of the way through, um, the, the brief rundown is I'm mostly right. Uh, Jack is mostly wrong. <laughs> Yeah, but between the two of us, between we pretty much us, got we, the synopsis. We, we got the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so Sophie does end up buying the castle because it is for sale. The person that we thought in the first 10 minutes was the groundskeeper was, in fact, the duke. Um, the castle castles are just hard to maintain. They're very expensive to run. They're very expensive to to upkeep. And the estate had essentially been squandered by the duke's father and uh, Carrie Elwes' character was just really struggling making ends meet. And uh, he was at a point where he was playing this constant balance game between letting the bank take it and finding ways to continue to fund it. Including tours. Including and tours like yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Which I get. That makes sense. So Brooke Shields' character decides to go ahead and buy the castle. Well, Carrie, Carrie Elwes' character does not like this because he does not want to sell the castle. He's just, he's really between rock and hard place. So he and his little buddy, uh, who again contextually adds very little other than a little bit of comic relief to the movie, decide, you know what? We're going to really uh, play fast and loose with real estate laws and we're going to make her enter this really long contract period and we're going to try to make her life as miserable as possible so she'll get bored and just return to the States and, and let us do this. And we'll keep her deposit in the meantime and that'll keep us afloat for several more months until we can find some other way to uh, fund this whole castle thing. And then through a series of incredibly cliche and very poor montages, guess what happens? Guess what happens? Brooke Shields and Carrie Elwes, they fall in love. No. Yeah, they do. The jerky groundskeeper turns out to be a decent dude. A decent dude. What? Re- really has the town's best interests at heart. He's, he's, a, he's a magnanimous duke. All seven townspeople they could afford the cast for. You know, the, the one spot I can think of that they did him wrong, as far as the writers go, they did not make him unlikable enough. Right. To make him a good antagonist. Right. right. The whole time, because, you know, with every romance movie, there's always this will they, won't they conflict. Yeah. Uh, this particular movie was, it was awful. Like, they wrote that terribly. <laughs> it was an afterthought. It was. Because, I mean, there was this constant, uh, Bro- what's Brooke's character name? What's her character's uh, name? Sophie Brown. Sophie Brown. So, Sophie automatically just gets super defensive and she's like i don't like this guy but like he didn't do anything to be unlikable yeah i mean he was he was a a little standoffish i guess but Um, i mean but you have an american coming over right a famous american as it comes as it turns out author uh, who claims to have some connection to the castle right and he's like oh another one and and her connection was her dad her granddad was a gardener yeah. Was it her granddad? It was her granddad okay. that was the gardener and her dad was there and defaced the 1500 year old castle by That's carving right. his name into a door. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the Duke at the time, Carrie always his father, uh, got mad and fired the groundskeeper. And so they're like, well, screw it. And they moved to America. Right. That was that was her whole tie to this Dun Dunbar castle. Yes. Was her father defaced it. Which, yeah, that was, that was kind of weak backstory, but 
Okay, so here's here's how we're gonna do this, uh, and we'll we'll flip flop or take take turns depending on the movie. But as we watch the movie, one of us takes live notes and yeah. comments. Yeah, and then. When when we sit down together, one the, the whoever took the live notes will read the the comment right. and the thought, and then we both discuss what we think of that. So my live notes starting number one, and this is more of just a, a thought that I had. Never challenge Gwen's ability to predict plot points <laughs> to bad made-for-TV movies. She does this frequently and almost always gets it right. I I, I enjoy. I like. That's why I like watching. Uh, I'll, I'll call them. This is not a derogatory term, but they're trashy. They're trashy movies, right? Yeah. They're they're not highbrow. We're not thinking thinky thoughts here. No. We we are watching these movies to check out and like sob. That's yeah. what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So actual point number one: Carrie Elwes is the best actor in the film. He's the only actor in the film, I believe. <laughs> But legitimately, and, and now here's the thing is his, uh, what was it, his little buddy, uh, the other groundskeeper guy? Yeah, there, so there, there's a guy in the movie who just wears a kilt all the time, as Scottish folk do, uh, apparently. Yes. Um, I don't think that's true. I don't think Scottish folk just always wear kilts. So it's the actor Lee Ross. He plays the character Thomas. So Thomas, um, he seems to have a really close tie with the Duke. And like they're like they're best friends. Like, like they grew up they're together. They're besties, right? Like they they have a deep source of history together, and it's right. literally never explained what that source of history is. So Lee Ross plays his character pretty well. He just he wasn't in the movie enough to really be counted for much more than not as an important character. No. He was a very likable character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he 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 was the level headed friend. Well, to the main here's the thing: guy. is in romance tropish points they kind of bounced back and forth between him being the comedic relief and him being the voice of reason yeah and those are sometimes the same character they're rarely the same character and yeah it was just bounced back and forth it was just they're like we don't we don't have the budget for more cast so lee ross you're go go bud yeah you get to play three different same characters yeah, you yeah. Three, three different three different uh tropes here but carrie Car- now here's the thing is i i will Quantify this by saying I am no expert in accents, no, but I, I found Carrie Elwes. We did. We did. We Googled Scottish it. accent actually pretty convincing. Is Carrie Elwes Scottish? He's not. He was born in London. Uh, but yeah, no, I thought his Scottish accent was good. Yeah. Me living in Oklahoma and sounding like this. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I, so clearly you're an expert. Me. And, and I think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it, it passed for me, uh, but you know, so Brooke Shields has three expressions on her face in this film. Just three. That's Just it. three. She <laughs> has the crying face. She's yeah. She's, she's got the, and it's a pretty cry too. It, it is, is not an ugly yeah. cry. She had the fake smile. She had the fake smile and she had the, uh, purse lips. Like angry purse lips. No, it's not even angry purse lips. She was trying to be angry with the purse lips, but she was not achieving that. It was more of a distraught determination, maybe? Right. No, it was... this. The same purse lip expression meant anger, annoyance, confusion, and embarrassment. Like, right. stop it, you. Here's the thing is, I, I remember Brooke Shields as a kid. Yeah. I don't remember if she was a decent actor back in the day or not. I, she was an actress of the 90s, so yeah. the answer is no. 
Yeah, I don't know. There were there were some decent actors in the 90s, I think. Okay. Well, yeah. Was Brooke Shields one of them? I don't. Here's the thing is, if I can't remember, the answer is probably no. She was mid range at best. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I she did. She did fine. I. The movie was executive produced by Brooke Shields and starred Brooke Shields playing Brooke Shields. <laughs> yes. Like, playing all of her characters. Right. That reminds me of uh, another uh, actor who likes to play himself, which would be uh, Nick Cage. I'm sure I can name off three or four more. Probably. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what, what else you got? What is every romance movie feature a perfectly quaffed person after riding a 1950 Schwinn cruiser bicycle? <laughs> With the front basket all over the Scottish hills. <laughs> you know, maybe it's that I do not have an appreciation for bike riding, but it amuses me that like it's a constant theme that people will just go bike riding and show up places not looking like they crawled out of Satan's anus, just neon red, <laughs> yeah. slightly puffy with their thighs feeling like they need to explode. Yeah. I was out of breath watching her ride around <laughs> the countryside. And the, she did it everywhere. The Scottish countryside. Yes. The Sco- this is not flatland. Uh, let's see. A lot of this movie, I would say out of a 90 minute movie, 20 minutes of this movie roughly is devoted to the task of managing a castle and Scottish escrow law. Right. <laughs> like those two things. There is a, a an inordinate amount of this movie Our devoted time spent to talking about how the contract is going to work and the deposit and like well, and then how like running a castle is not just the cat like the building itself. Right. But it's all the farms and, and right. like the towns and the it, and the mortgages yeah. that were just brought into the story. Uh another moment I thought about was longtime bros, which would be the Duke and his buddy Thomas. Right. Do not talk to each other the way Thomas and Miles do in this movie. We are way meaner and direct to the point. <laughs> There's a scene at which they're loading items in between cars uh, to have this this party that they're going to host at the castle. And they're taking um, items and at one point moving them from one car to another for reasons <laughs> I'm not real sure of. But they're, they're having this bro moment. Um, and it's very much... It's very much how women would probably talk to each other. Yeah. Um, well, have you talked to him? No, I can't talk to him. That's just not how these things work. And even I caught that. I was like, that is not how two lifelong men would talk to each other. You've been around me and some of my longtime buddies. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, we're we're past the point of being afraid of hurting each other's feelings. Right. Right. Like if one of us has something to say, we just say it. Are you going to talk to her? I can't talk to her. BS. Yeah. BS. You can't. You're just being being a chicken. You're just being a chicken about it. Man up and go talk to the girl. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. And that would be the end of the conversation for the sake of a, a, a romance comedy as they, they clearly wanted it to be. It's not a comedy. I refuse to call it a rom-com. I, I know, but they actually t- tagged it as that. That's the only reason I used it. For a romance movie. There you go. For a cheesy romance movie. Cheesy romance movie. Bad cheesy romance movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I get it. They, they need the plot to work a certain way to, to get the story to move a yeah. certain direction. So I can forgive it to a certain point. I, it's just something that it, it, well, I noticed. And you, do, you do have to consider audience. Who's going to be watching this? Yes. 
for the most part, it's not going to be dudes. It's not going to be a bunch of Jackson Lathlins. Watching <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. She bought the castle and then accepted residence in the heated attic or in, in the uh, unheated attic. Unheated attic. Yeah. Yeah. So in the movie, the the weird real estate contract bits were they uh, she had to move into the castle with the Duke and see how it worked and get a feel for the castle before he would agree to, you know, enter escrow. I don't know. The real estate rules get weird. Um, I don't understand them. I don't even understand American rules, much less Scottish rules, much less Scottish rules involving castles. So I don't know how it works, but it felt very forced. And he's like, well, you have to move in. And then instead of putting her on any of the floors or rooms that have heat, uh, he put her in an almost unfinished, almost ruinous room on the top floor. Yeah. And she just was like, Okay, Roger, Roger. Yeah. She yeah. just it's, accepted that. Ma'am, ma'am, you are the one with the money and the power here. Why are Not only we... did she accept it, but all of her friends that she made from the... What, from the, the two the days she stayed at the, yeah, at from the, the inn. From the crochet group. All of them were <laughs> knitting. like... Knitting. That's what it was. The, the knitting group. All of them were like, oh, this must be where she lives now. And they just, okay, we're going to come in and decorate it for you. Right. No one's going to throw a fit about this. Yeah. Okay. I, I personally would have. It's like they accepted it. They're just like, well, he's a jerk, so we know why, he's, right. why she's up there. But he wasn't a jerk, though. Really, I mean. He really wasn't. That was kind of a jerkish move, but like. He, uh. I want to say the roller coaster of emotions in this movie is a kitty ride at a traveling fair. <laughs> <laughs> the kind that folds up onto the yeah. back of a truck. <laughs> All right, kids, we're going to go down this six inch hill. Yeah, you I'm, ready thinking, for that? I'm thinking like teacups. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was nah, that bad. It was it was terrible. <laughs> and and it was it was like emotional, it was rapid emotional changes with zero context. Right. And zero timing. Right. It would just happen. Right. And one more is uh they there was a Christmas tree scene. They they did again going to the yeah. montages. Yeah. They they decide to trek out into the, the forest. Where there happened to be conveniently perfectly sized Christmas trees just naturally occurring yeah in the forest near the castle i don't actually know how christmas tree growing works i know how christmas tree farms work i know i know that part but as far as like just appropriate trees of size and shape just growing like that naturally i have watched enough tiktoks to know that when you're looking at the christmas tree they were cut that way yeah like there were human beings or a machine that went around and sculpted it like this yes but it just so happens that at the dun dunbar castle in scotland which i don't even know if it's a real castle i doubt it's a real castle um that there's a lot of castles in scotland um at the dun dunbar castle there happened to be a quaint little a field meadow thing that had three perfectly sculpted Christmas trees just in existence. Well, what baffled me about that scene was how they got it back to the castle. They rode out there on horseback and he had a little bag and they made a whole deal about anytime we cut down a tree, we replace it by planting two. Right. Two saplings. And that's all good and well. And he pulls out an old army style little, you know, foldable shovel. Right. There's no axe with him or chainsaw or anything there was however a camera crew so he was very aware of the imagery after the cameras left 
Um, he sent Thomas back out there. He sent Thomas back out there. <laughs> he sent the help <laughs> said, with a chainsaw. Yeah. What you didn't see was when he tied, tied the ribbon to it and then went back and told Thomas, hey, there's a red ribbon on a tree out there. Right. I need it cut down. Cut that one down. And, and haul it back up. Placed in the, uh, the living room area or whatever you want to call that. Right. Yeah. I don't think they, the do ball they have room. living rooms. I guess it was in the ballroom. It was in the ballroom. Well, the, they have to have living rooms and castles. I'm pretty sure there was more than one Christmas tree in that castle, too. Right. Of the right. 13 rooms he's got. The rest were artificial. Yeah. It, with with romance movies, there's always this point that they're almost going to kiss, and then something interrupts them, or right. somebody gets awkward, or you know something happens. And in this movie, it had that it had that scene where they're almost going to kiss, and then Carrie Elwes's character made it awkward, which was fine, and then he made it worse but like not in a good like trying to play it off way like they kept turning around and saying to each other this was just a date 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 okay so we are clear you are both trying to convince yourselves and each other that this was a date yeah got it that scene went on for like four minutes and then at the end of the scene it's like she's mad at him because he decided it was a date and she had decided in that scene that it wasn't right right there was no communication that's yeah well so for context, uh, Sophie just finds this dress. They, it's, it's really, a, it's a pretty dress. I thought it was a pretty dress. I might be dating myself, but I thought it was a pretty dress and it had, you know, tartan across the bodice and it was very pretty. It wasn't traditional. It was a modern dress. And she's like, I found it. And, uh, she ends up in front of the Duke's room just as he's walking out of the room, of course. And she's holding this dress and she goes, I'm sorry. I, I know I shouldn't have it. And he gets mad and he's like no you shouldn't wear that dress yeah and then they have sex yeah well (laughs) like like he and she's like you're angry and he's like i'm angry at myself right (laughs) and then they kiss that's when they have their they finally actually have their first kiss and And it was it was the most (laughs) we both went because i have forced jack to watch enough romance (laughs) movies we both went wait that's the kiss (laughs) wait that's it that's what what happened what the heck we finished that word but for censorship reasons i'm not gonna um all right uh third person hazy memory of only things that actually happened on screen no b-roll that's that's another montage yep they (laughs) so they learn to ballroom dance together through a montage uh carrie elways uh during one of his moments of realization thinks back on all the sweet moments they'd had in the past Three months, maybe? Three months in the movie. 48 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was all third-person view. It all had the white uh, vintage halo around it. Um, and it was all scenes we'd already seen in the movie of Brooke Shields throwing her head back and laughing. Yeah, as if we'd all forgotten about those scenes. Right, yeah. that happened 15 minutes ago. wanted to remind us. <laughs> all the good uh, times they had. So they managed to get the uh, Apple product placement. They do. So without the-, the Peloton, though, I was expecting <laughs> the Peloton for being as good of a bicyclist as she is. Apparently, yeah, yeah. There, there was no Peloton in the movie. I enjoy watching movies because of how my brain works and who I am as a person. I enjoy watching movies and finding all of the the brand product placement. You know that one really weird shot of the car. Oh. This car company sponsored the movie there. There was a point at which Sophie was walking downstairs and she was hugging an apple. And I was like, oh, my goodness, 
there's no way they forgot to put a sticker over the Apple emblem because yeah. Apple is super defensive about their product. And then they did the weird pull up frame in of her face from the computer yeah. up to her face. And I was like, oh, it's because Apple must have sponsored the movie. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah. But I, hey, you know what? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not mad about it. It's it costs just, money to make a movie. So <laughs> I enjoy playing the game of who sponsored this film. Yeah. Uh, let's Castle see. for Christmas brought to you by Apple. Uh, my next one was uh, my thought was the writers must have run out of time and had to wrap the script. <laughs> oh my gosh. When we say plot holes, what we mean is things that they just glaze over and never come back. Never, to. ever come back to like, for instance, one of the, one of the big unlikable characteristics of the Duke is that he apparently had his heart broken you don't find that out till what halfway two through thirds? the movie. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I think they mentioned it a little earlier. I think they mentioned it like a third of the way through, but then like, there's no information like how that went down or how badly he messed up. Like he mentions it briefly in the very end monologue thing. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I gave all my time to the castle and I wasn't paying any attention to losing her. And that was it. That was it. And like, you're a bitter old man for getting dumped once, dude. Yeah, there 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 are a bunch of montages as there well should be. Um, but some of the montages were just absolutely useless. Yes. Uh, they didn't serve anything. They didn't add anything. I swear at some point they wrapped filming um, and then they realized that they were like seven minutes short on the runtime of the movie but they didn't have the budget to call carrie elways and brooke shields back for some reshoots so they just had to like pick some randos and they're like here just do this scene real quick and, and just we'll we'll fill time we'll fill time we just we got to get it to runtime y'all see i i felt it was the other way around i be- like there because, was a whole story there and then it got cut yeah because the director is used to doing like slasher films and horror films and stuff she had like 10 hours worth of story and film that made perfect sense. It was, it was magnum opus like material it, and she cut it down to an hour and a half and a had castle to cut for out. Christmas too. <laughs> she, had to cut, she had to cut so much out of it that in order to keep a, any semblance of a story, there are so many plot holes in it. Now they just missed that one bit in the editing room. <laughs> but same conclusion just different right. paths to get there right. basically <laughs> uh let's see we we talked about the uh plot devices that are yeah. overused montages that all often montages. don't actually happen uh w- an example of one was the car mysteriously breaking down and the duke coming to get her after the, yet the eighth change of heart on a horse right yeah he shows up on a horse after he's flip-flopped more than a dying fish yeah on his feelings about this. He comes to get her on a horse. There was, okay, for me not saying it was not a rom-com, there was a moment at which he's trying to get her attention by, you know, throwing snow on the window and it, it amused me because I didn't see them doing it. She opened the window and took a snowball square to the face. I actually found it funny. I kind of giggled. Like it's, it's nothing that's never been done before in a romance movie, but it's still, and once again it's just one of those things that just out of nowhere they're like we're gonna be funny about this watch this what and it actually was funny it was actually funny yeah and then there was a scene at which the inn that sophie was was staying at prior to buying the castle um that a couple checked out and like they made a whole scene about it 
and it felt a little ominous and like what am i supposed to understand who these people are because the innkeeper was like well we've got the the honeymoon suite and you get champagne and they're like perfect and i even looked at you at that point in the movie oh this is going to be the uh like it's going to be the ex-wife, the ex-wife or, be, or, or something. Yeah. And then it was literally never mentioned ever yeah. again so in the movie. I, I couldn't find anything online yeah. mentioning this, like anyone else's uh, like like questions hot takes about on it. it. So here's what I think they were trying to do. Yeah. I think all they were trying to suggest was because at this point, Sophie had made the decision to fly back to the States. I think that they were trying to secure that position by renting her room out to someone else right because i think she was in the honeymoon that, suite or that was that was that's the only thing i can come up with is they were just trying to show that okay now she has nowhere to turn she, back to. she has to go home if she yes. doesn't stay or she has to go back to the duke but again that's the absolute just it's tropic it's beyond tropic <laughs> it's 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 not beyond it's underneath tropic it was just <laughs> We had to postulate at that. That's a yeah. wild guess. That was my that was my wild because uh, that's the only one I did this to because it was so out it of was left so field, random, like everything else. Okay, like the music even got a little dark around that. It time. did. I just I didn't understand. There yeah. there were several unanswered questions. Somebody in that writer room was like, "This makes a lot of sense," and they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, random ballroom dance scene. Oh, yes. So it is an excellent use of montage. But so they in in the movie, they decide to host a ball for everybody. And when I say they decide, what I mean is Sophie decides and informs the Duke, who still legally owns the castle (laughs) and holds the title. Uh, yeah, we're we're th- we're throwing a a, a a Christmas ball, a Christmas ball yeah. on Christmas Eve. Um, everyone's going going to the ball, and when when they end up showing the ball, it's like twelve people. Again, I don't I don't know where they spent the budget. It was on Brooke Shields and Carrie Always. That's right. where they spent the budget. Yeah, um, because the uh, the, the extras, whole town is made. It, there's like twenty five people in the entire the whole cast. town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's one cab driver and apparently just one operating vehicle. Because <laughs> at some point she tries to leave after they get into one of their many, many fights. Uh, she tries to leave, the cab breaks down, and that's how we end up with Carrie Elways on a horse pegging uh, Brooke Shields with a snowball. Yeah, from you know horseback. <laughs> um, so yeah, for my uh, for my last one. So we we mentioned earlier that there's like three scenes that her daughter shows up in. Right, she's got an adult daughter. Yeah. The one that bugged me the most yeah. after everything, and, and her daughter was the voice of reason. Kind every of. Time. The two times that the two she times spoke she showed to her up, before yeah. that. And then she randomly, not it, it is kind of random because they didn't really f- uh, foretell it very well. Right. But, uh, or foreshadow it. She just has this lackluster appearance and an entrance at... At the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the, they kind of, they're like, oh, by the way, Sophie's daughter. And then they're like, oh, hi. And then they move on from that. Right. What? Right. Yeah. The the Duke gives this whole speech about how he thought he was the castle and he didn't have to be. And, and now he's got this new warmth and, and it's, it's, it's very romance movie yeah. speech. And then he goes, and I'd like to bring the granddaughter of the gardener 
this chick. And Sophie's daughter walks out. Yeah, and Sophie's all surprised because uh, her, her daughter was but again, supposed to be. Brooke Shields has, back in New York. you know, three expressions. So, right, right. Uh, she couldn't be that surprised. Uh, but Sophie's daughter walks out and everyone's like, yay. Yeah, they're like, they're just like, hey, kid. And keep in mind, this is all 12 people that apparently live in this whole town. Yeah, right. In this ballroom. And then the one baker. Like the, See, the, the the quirky, cute baker right. girl comes walking over and offers her the some manic cookies. pixie, yes, the, the required manic pixie <laughs> yeah. in a romance movie. So my wife shows up in the movie. Shut up! I'm not manic pixie. <laughs> so yeah, the the relationship with the with the daughter was completely unnecessary. Yeah, she didn't need to have a kid. I don't know why they made Sophie have a kid. And like it added nothing on either side, even the first part and the last part, nothing was added. And she barely talked about her the whole movie. Right. I maybe it was just one of those things to to kind of play in. I don't know. I, maybe I, her status in life or I something. I, showing that she was a businesswoman, but still managed to, to have a loving relationship yeah. with the daughter. I don't maybe, yeah. maybe that's that's a common trope. I don't know. So, no, here's what bugged me about the whole presentation of Sophie's daughter is she appears in the very beginning of the movie and it's like, Mom, you have to do some stuff. Um, and then Sophie asks, so, you know, well, what are you doing for Christmas? Uh, which is apparently still like three months away. Well, dad's actually getting remarried on Christmas Eve and I have to go to the wedding. Oh, okay. And that was the end of the conversation. Then we don't hear from Sophie's daughter again until a random point in the movie where Sophie is really upset and she calls her daughter on Christmas Eve when she knows full well her daughter is supposed to be at the wedding of her, you know, her dad's wedding, her ex-husband, Sophie's ex-husband's you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Essentially she leaves her a crying voicemail. Everything's fine. I just miss you. Okay. Parenting 101 here. <laughs> just if you are in an emotional crisis, please don't call your grown child while you know, they are at a thing that is contributing to your emotion. Like don't, don't do that. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're... Let's not make them feel more guilty. Right. Right. Like she's already conflicted that her divorced parents, one of them's getting remarried. Like they chose Christmas Eve, which Dick move on the X, but they chose Christmas Eve. And then, you know, 30 minutes later in the movie, but essentially 12 hours later and she comes walking in this ball. She was never at the wedding. She was in Scotland the whole time. Although I will say she did make a funny joke at the end because Sophie was like, aren't you supposed to be at your dad's wedding? And she's like, hey, I'll go to the next one. <laughs> right? That was pretty funny. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't understand the outro of the Drew Barrymore show on this. Yeah. So in the very beginning of the movie, uh, Sophie kind of has a mental breakdown on the Drew Barrymore show uh, about, you know, the, the beloved character that she killed off in her very famous series of novels. And then at the end of the movie, in, in the credits scene, they do this thing where I thought they were going to like interview Sophie about all this new stuff happening in her life and you know her hooking up with the duke and buying this castle and and this new magnum opus that she ends up producing after you know the the, the end of the end of the movie and then they do this weird thing where it's outtakes and I couldn't tell were these actual outtakes from the filming of the segment or was it supposed to look like outtakes from the Drew Barrymore show? Yeah. 
I, it didn't add anything and it cleared nothing up. No. Nor did it really pave the way for like Castle for Christmas 2 because sometimes the credit scenes will be like, oh, but this thing's going to happen. Right. They didn't. I don't. No, this was just, it's another left field. It was. No, I'll tell you what that was. <laughs> what that was is they had to give Drew Barrymore more screen time to cover her Screen Actors Guild fees. Yeah, that's probably, <laughs> that's probably true. Well, I'm guessing she did this out of charity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, The Screen Actors Guild, though, is weird. Their rules are really weird about how appearing in movies works. Here's the thing is, I guarantee you, Brooke Shields is like a highly respected person. She's probably besties with Drew. Yeah. I actually don't hate this movie. No, here's (laughs) all this trash talk about it. I don't hate it. Yeah. It's a it's a really good, cheesy, sappy romance yeah. holiday movie. Like if you're into watching that form of entertainment, Castle for Christmas is it, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. So when when we do these uh, romantic movies, we we're going to give it our own rating scale. Yeah. Um, because these are all sickly sweet. Uh, endearing, heart-touching movies. We are not going to use stars or tomatoes. We are going to use corn syrup glops. So out of five corn syrup glops, how many corn syrup glops does A Castle for Christmas get from you? I'm going to say based on other movies we've seen, and at some point we'll end up doing a list of some others when we watch them. Um, I'm going to say I give this one probably about about a three. A three corn yeah. syrup glop. Yep. Uh, I, can't, I can't give it that many. I'm going to give it two and a half corn syrup glops out of five. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, there's too many plot holes. 50%. <laughs> Batting 500. That's it's, not bad. It's, been, it's right in the middle. <laughs> it's right, right in the middle. Like yeah. It could be a lot worse. It could be a lot better. Yeah. Ultimately, should you watch this movie? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's silly. It's dumb. It's terrible. And it's perfect for all those reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. So, all right. So that's the, is that episode four? That's episode four. We did episode four. We did episode four. Uh, we did not also film this one. So you do my jig. It's an invisible jig. You now get to imagine Jack's jig. Okay. So you should definitely give us a rating on whatever platform that you are listening to us on especially apple that helps us yeah i i I don't know how or why it helps us but apparently it does so keep doing that yes and tune in Uh, as we publish this we may not have i mean we'll have another episode but there may be a break uh, because the holiday is coming up. When we're releasing this episode, it's right before uh, Christmas. Yeah. So uh, we the Christmas Eve, I think, is the, the next available date after this one drops. So we probably will not release an episode on Christmas Eve. Because simply put, we haven't been around long enough to have like a best of. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there'll be a little bit of a break uh, between episode four and episode five. But we'll be back after Christmas. Yep. All, All right. right. You guys have a great holiday. Bye. I don't know why I'm waving. This is a podcast. You're waving at me. Okay, oh, bye. Are you leaving now? Bye. Love you. Love you too. This has been a production of Pleasant Peasant Media. For questions, suggestions, professions of adoration, or to discuss sponsorship opportunities, email info at pleasantpeasantmedia.com.